Oh, look, the start of a new week. Aren't we happy about that? That means we can continue with the series. So, without further ado, another day, another human weaponry. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Human Weaponry, Chapter 15, Soul. I can't tell. Looks like there's an entrance on the side. The main area is a total bottleneck. They've got perfect visibility and cover. Any visible up for? Um, I can see a couple. Hard to tell. They're fucking pitch black, Sergeant. They blend in perfectly. Switch to thermal. Copy. Looks like a skeleton crew, all armed. Some sort of AFV parked in the right of the gate. Uh, scanning the ridge above the gate now. Any emplacements? None that I can see so far. But they seem to understand camouflage. Some sort of black and grey tops are covering the storage boxes. Protection from the weather? I don't think so. The tops only cover the top, as if to hide it from satellite imaging. One possible emplacement above the gate, and, uh, something else. Wait. Oh, crap! I shot up in the bed and pushed myself against the wall, clutching the cloth against me. Nothing I had seen was particularly frightening, but my heart was pounding and I was uncontrollably shaking. I was in a dream. It was a dream. It didn't feel like a dream. Deep breaths. Calm down. It felt more like a distant memory than anything else. A distant memory that filled me with incredibly strong and distinct feeling of dread. My head hurts. I stood up. Everything was sore, and the bed was a mess. I must have been moving around in my sleep. I looked down at my hands. My claws were extended. Can't remember the last time they did that so instinctively, nor the last time I did it on purpose. I brought them back in. Didn't want to accidentally rip the human clothes, nor my uniform. I'd have to ask if they had some sort of weak painkillers. My head was pounding and I'd have to put pins in my hair that would create a constant pulling effect. Today, it's going to be irritating. If I only had any sort of foresight, I could have brought some of my own possessions to make the quality of life aboard the ship a tad bit better. While I was getting dressed, a small screen adjacent to the door turned on. White text appeared on the panel, with the time displayed on the top right-hand corner. It read, Houses, please report to Hangar A, docking with light carrier soon. Sergeant Garrick. We must have jumped to the soul system while I slept. Perhaps I was wrong about today. I'd get to see more American ships, or perhaps even the ships of other Earth powers. I'd maybe even get to see Earth. A planet that produces humans must look like a nightmare. Although, if this trip has taught me anything, it's that I shouldn't be making assumptions like that. I'd better start making my way. The panel had a prompt that said understood, and I pressed it before making my way into the hallway. I was halfway to the hangar hallway when I promptly fell over. As much as humans seem to love warning announcements, docking with another ship seems to be a strange event to not warn the crew about. The whole ship lurched, and I got a face full of metal floor. Brilliant. Now, I really need painkillers. I rounded the corner to hangar A, and I was right. We had docked with another ship. I had no idea how large the other ship was, but it was clear the hangar door's size was standardized to allow the connection. I could see Sergeant Garrick. He was standing with a small group, 
not soldiers. A group of humans were entering from the other ship. They looked like leadership or diplomats, flanked by specialist troops like I had seen when the cruiser was boarded. I made my way over to Garrick, a familiar feeling. Something looked a little off about him. The skin under his eyes was slightly sagged and grayish. He waved me over, and we wound up standing next to one of the aircraft that I'd observed earlier. Thanks for coming, Osus. As the only one knowledgeable on government affairs outside of our system, we'd like you to speak with some of our diplomats, if that's alright with you. His voice was slightly slower and quieter than normal. He sounded tired. Well, I'm no expert, but I'll try help wherever I can. Are you okay? Is that blood coming out of your mouth? I brushed my hand against my mouth, and it came back with a bit of pink liquid on it. Apparently, that fall had done at least a little damage. Um, yes. Well, I may have been attacked by the floor on the way over here. He might consider lining the floor with something a bit softer than me- My vision went black as something impacted me and I was thrown against the side of the aircraft. I was still conscious, but my vision was blurry and spotted, and all the sound was a mixture of ringing and muffled noise. Garrick was yelling something. I could briefly make out the human in combat gear being tackled and restrained by Garrick and two others. A female human ran over to me and lifted me up by the arm and steadied me on my knees. She was trying to speak to me, but I was too focused on trying to look at my attacker. He had hit me in the back of the head while I was turned towards the sergeant, and was currently being dragged away, struggling at screaming, his voice shaky and very loud. It's one of them! You fuckers will see, I'll turn on you just like the others. Why do you think it's here? You brought that fucking thing to earth, you idiots! You'll see! He was pulled out of the hangar and out of sight. I could finally make out what the female was saying. Come on, we should get you away from here. This isn't good for anybody. She motioned to the hangar door, where I could see the crowd from the light carrier, all standing and watching. Two soldiers had made their way to us, weapons drawn. They started taking me towards the medbag in. Wait, stop, uh, I'm okay. Just let me sit, please. They sat me down on a bench on one of the walls of the hangar. Things were getting clearer. I didn't need to be put into a bed and gown again. A medic ran over to us. She was from the new ship. Her uniform was slightly different. When she got close, she started hesitating and looked to the two soldiers by me. Garrick had left with a group pulling my attacker away. Does it speak English? She asked, addressing the men flanking me, but I answered before either of them could. Yeah, I do. I startled her. She obviously had never seen an idiot before. There was a look that many humans had shared upon first contact with me. She moved closer. Uh, okay, um, you were hit in the back of the head, correct? I reached behind my head and pulled my hand away. A fair bit of blood came with it. I believe so. A mixture of concern and fascination flashed on her face when she saw the blood. Okay, um... I'm going to try and stop the bleeding. Can I touch you? Yes, please, go ahead. I leaned to the side so she could gain access. From what I could tell, my hair was obscuring whatever wound was causing the blood. As she was trying to push it out of the way, rather unsuccessfully. Can I uh, remove these pins? They're keeping all the hair in the way. Do you have to? If they're gone, I can just push all your hair to the front. 
I was silent for a moment. If you must, can we go somewhere more private? Absolutely. Can you two help him? One of the soldiers helped stabilize me again as we walked. If stuff like this keeps happening, I might as well just start living in the medbay. End of story. Another day, another human weaponry. I have placed a convenient like button for the like button clicking enthusiasts amongst you. Feel free to click it. Any odd amount of times will be perfect. Alrighty, on to today's chapter. Human Weaponry, Chapter 16, Anatomy. She took me to some kind of room, not unlike the room that I'd been in for the shrapnel wound only a little while ago. A bit smaller, this was a single room with four walls. The previous one had a fabric divider in between two beds. I'm sure the double room served to house more patients. Perhaps the singular chamber were for more invasive procedures or to discuss personal information. Either way, privacy was preferable. The two soldiers were satisfied that we were safe. I was now far away and secure from the human who had attacked me. I was grateful for that, but I noticed a faint concerning feeling in the back of my mind. I could rationalize that I'd been treated with hospitality the whole trip up until now, that I'd been saved by human doctors, defended from pirates by their soldiers, all things that served to build my trust with humanity. However, now I'd been attacked by one, and as much as I wanted to yield to logic, I couldn't help but wonder if anyone else in the ship or the carrier had similar intentions regarding my well-being. I was ripped back to reality with a snapping sound. The female had elected to change out her gloves or put gloves on. I couldn't remember if she had already been wearing them. My ears were still ringing, and I had been unconsciously rubbing them. I wonder if humans had similar issues with loud sounds or impacts. Wait, obviously they do. They had hearing protection for the weapons. I must have been hit fairly hard. All right, um, Ozzy, uh, was that it? Ozus. She wrote something down on the tablet when I responded. I can't imagine my English name was too hard to remember. Right, sorry, Ozus. Now, I may be a doctor, but given our anatomical differences, this might feel a bit, um, unprofessional. Here, hold the scores to your head. I'm going to check for a concussion now that I have more tools here. I did as I was told. She grabbed some sort of long black object off the counter and stood in front of me. Curious, she didn't have to kneel or bend down at all to meet my eyeline, even with me sitting down. She pressed a button on the object, and it turned on a light at the end. Assuming your eyes work the same way, which there's a good chance that they probably don't. If you're concussed, your pupils, your four pupils, if these are pupils, shouldn't dilate properly. Assuming that they even dilate as ours do. She looked down and made some sort of sigh. If you can even get a concussion. There was a silence for a few moments. Only now did I realize that this was the first prolonged contact I've had with a human alone. And it was one that I'd never met before. From a ship that I haven't been on. And she was standing somewhat uncomfortably close to me. I can. I can get a concussion. When your brain hits your skull, that's what you're testing for, right? She finally looked back up. Yes, exactly. Any chance you know how your eyes work? The pupils get larger in low light and shrink in brighter conditions. Or at least I think that's how they work. I'm not educated in medicine. 
Well, that's something anyway. We can focus on the bleeding wound on the back of your head first. She stopped shining a light in my eyes. She had a weird look in her face. Are, um, are, uh, are your eyes bioluminescent? What? Never mind, uh, active bleeding wound. Jesus. I removed the gauze, and there was a fair bit of blood that came with it, but not a worrying amount. She walked around behind me and started feeling through my hair. Can I remove the pins now? Yes, just give them to me when you do, please. She very carefully pulled them out. It was surprising how gentle she could be. Quite a strong contrast to the violence that I'd seen them capable of. My hair promptly fell all over the place, as it does. I quickly pulled it all together in front of my face and held it there. All right, Ozus. It looks like the impact created a surprisingly clean tear. What does that mean? He has likely wearing hard-knuckle gloves when he hits you. A more even distribution of the impact. Either that or your skin just tears that way. Honestly, I don't know. I'm going to clean it up and apply medical tape. It'll hold the cut closed, and it's coated with a medicative solve. Should speed up the healing process. The cleaning process was rather painful. However, the bandage she put on was soothing. Alright, well, I think you have a mild concussion. I'm sure the impact was lessened because he was hitting you at a weird angle with you being so tall. Any of the medical staff on board can provide mild painkillers or ice packs for the resulting headaches if you need it. She started to walk towards the door, now resting the tablet device at her hip. I started to put my hair back in between my ears and behind my head. Before she closed the door, she turned around again. Oh, you might want to consider leaving your hair down. It looks good like that. I watched her leave. That was a strange comment. Or maybe it wasn't. I don't know what humans discuss in casual conversation. I suppose I could go back to my room, knowing what I know so far, though. They'd likely want to talk to me about what happened and later about my role in the galactic affairs. Or maybe I could just sit in this quiet room for a while. Why did they have to be so social? I have enjoyed their company, but it's like they are never alone. It was funny, what she had said, to leave my hair down. I couldn't, though. Plus, when Garrick asked me if I was armed when I came onto the ship, I'd been lying. I rolled the longer of the two pins in my hand, then pressed the side and back causing it to extend into a stabbing weapon about the length of the knives the human soldiers carried. Of course, it was no ranged weapon, but I had begun thinking about it since I'd been attacked. Gods, and here I'd been worried about the human's history of espionage, and I had snuck in a weapon in my hair. I collapsed it and put my hair back up. I wonder how they didn't notice it when they scanned me for shrapnel earlier. Or perhaps they did, but didn't care. I looked down. There was blood all over my hands. I need to go ask where I could wash them off properly, and I needed to talk to Garrick about something. I was about to leave the room when there was a knock at the door. It opened right after, and in walked the female from the bridge. The captain, she closed the door behind her and removed an object from her head. It was white, like the uniform that she was wearing. She had many colorful insignias on her shoulders and chest, likely signifying rank or perhaps awards. She placed it on the counter and sighed. We need to talk, Osis. End of chapter. Alrighty, another day, another human weaponry, and another chance to ease the addiction of liking videos. So, here we go. 
On to the story. Human Weaponry, Chapter 17, Lies. After sitting the white garment from her head on the counter, she put her arms on it, resting her upper body by the looks of things. This is going to be unprofessional as hell, but I'd been awake for something like 36 hours, and if you don't mind, I'd rather relax for just a few minutes. I turned my head a bit quizzically, Given that I know precisely nothing about human formalities, I'd say that you are safe here. She turned around and was about to continue talking when she saw my hands. Good lord, they just left you with blood all over your hands. She opened one of the cabinets and pulled out a white piece of fabric and unfolded it. She then held it under the pipe, over the basin built into the counter, and hovered her other hand under it which caused the water to dispense, after which she handed it to me. There, maybe you can scrub the majority off, then get the rest off with just the water. All right, now what I'm here for. You've been put in a very unique situation here, one that could wind up reflecting very badly on us and humanity as a whole. Why, you were attacked by pirates. It's by pure coincidence that I happened to be here. No, no, not the pirates. Slavers. Slavers that we knew about prior to our meeting. Slavers that we were asked to keep quiet about by your galactic government. How hard would it be for them to blame this whole incident on us? The new militarized predator species with less than a desirable past that was being monitored long before we discovered FTL. That's what everyone believes, regardless of the truth. The Florisians now know you exist. They found your station through us. If there are any species in the galaxy remotely close to humanity, they're going to want to know why they weren't notified so that they could prepare. As terrifying as what she said was, it was at least somewhat true. Somehow, with completely limited knowledge of the galactic affairs, she had predicted very specific things that were not impossible. I didn't believe the Federation would blame the humans for this new threat, but I could see where she and likely many others in the human leadership were coming from. The very first interactions the humans had with the Federation was full of deceit. It made sense that they would expect nothing different going forward. That wasn't the only thing that she predicted, though. Despite not being explicitly said, the way her tone changed when she mentioned that humanity is a predator species suggested the knowledge of certain prejudices that might exist amongst the Federation members. No one will be worried. Nearly every species has an individual navy, not even counting the GDN. One rogue species isn't any match. Moses, you don't understand. A slaver species is the most dangerous thing that could happen to your conglomerate. Let me break down exactly what I think is going to happen. She pulled a chair from the other side of the room and moved it in front of me. She sat down, facing me. To the Florisians, we have just opened up an entirely new source of revenue. They are going to learn population numbers, species strengths, trade routes, you name it. They are going to start small and efficient raids on individual ships, gaining individuals to hold without being enough of a problem that you would rouse a proper military force. They are going to slowly escalate, using brutality and fear tactics to scare the ever-living crap out of any civilians living in these empires. These civilians are going to want something to be done. Something to be done using their big, imposing, and powerful warships. 
They are going to create a narrative that the only way to stop this is to completely eradicate the Fruitians from existence. The Fruitians know this, and they are going to use slaves as shields. They are going to threaten to torture and kill them by the thousands. They are going to build military ships with slaves and use them to spate against the would-be attacking government. When the government attacks, it won't be long before the beach ship full of the 10,000 slaves gets hit by a laser, or the attack causes a prison to self-destruct. Bombs are indiscriminate. That government is going to be responsible for the deaths of their own people, their own people that have been enduring slavery until that point. This government will be thrown into political turmoil. However, that's not the worst part. There will be tens, if not hundreds of different species of slaves on those ships and planets. At least one of them is bound to have tense relations with the species that was simply trying to stop the slavers. The killing of thousands of members of the species sounds like a perfect excuse to start a war to me. The Federation and all of its members will be thrust into chaos as individual conflicts start between them. And when the dust settles, the Floritians will prosper, having been given a galaxy of slaves on a platter by its own navies that were supposed to defend it. I didn't know what to say, regardless of the actual scale of what would happen, with the number of species members in the Federation that hate each other. What she said only needed to happen once. That one conflict could cause allies of each species to be forced to help. Allies who have their own allies and enemies. Chaos would begin growing exponentially. What do you want me to do? She took a deep breath and ran her hand through her hair, which had fallen in front of her face. I need you to tell whoever you report to that our ship was struck by a small asteroid that damaged our communication systems. We could only get fixed by going back to human space, and that's why you were gone for so long. What? Why? Look, the original plan was to use this event as leverage to get a meeting with all the members of the Federation to explain the scale of the problem. But now we think this is for the best. Humanity is closer than any of your members to fruition space. We know most about them. We are more than equipped to handle this than you are. And even though it'll be costly, it'll only be between us and them. Let the galaxy believe that this is a small pirate problem and we will personally see to it that they are dealt with. No one has to go to war. No one has to know. She stood up and put a white object back in her head. I'm sorry to do this to you, Osis. You don't deserve it, and honestly, I don't either. But our plan hinges on your ability to tell this one lie. And I understand if you can't. I'll give you until tomorrow to decide. If you decide to help, we will send you home on a small transport ship. You will tell them about the asteroid and then go back to cataloging our weapons and whatever else you do in your job. If you decide that you cannot do it, we are going to show up with our entire navy and demand a meeting with your federation. With that, she stood up and walked out of the room. End of chapter. Alrighty, another day, another human weaponry. However... This one is the last one currently available. The author is currently on hiatus for the story, so please don't annoy them for new chapters. They have the reasons, and they will release one when they can. 
And when that happens, we'll be on it like a pack of Karens on a misspelt sign. But fear not. I would not let you go without dessert for the morning crew. Tomorrow will be something new. So keep your eyes and ears open for it. Anyways, on to the story. Human Weaponry, Chapter 18, The Question. So, it was a meteor shower that put the station into lockdown. Yes. And that knocked out the human ship's uh, superluminal communication systems. Correct. It just, uh, doesn't make a lot of sense, Osis. Mediary stations have point defense for debris. They have long-range sensors for items for weeks until they get in range. Every exchange of this awful conversation made me wish that the humans had given me more detail to make the deception believable. I'd have to try and make something up on the spot. Well, they told me that whatever method they used for FDL malfunctioned and brought the debris near the ship from earlier targeting practice with it, which then crashed into the station as they came out of FTL. But about all the station crew that described it as an attack... That the humans aboard the station all retreated into the ship quickly, and that alarms were blaring. The debris was behind the human ship, detected moments before they struck. They made an emergency detach to get out of the way. Unfortunately, some of them still connected, resulting in the communication system being down. The station's crew would have immediately moved to bulkhead panic rooms. The rink bureaucrat sitting across from me silently looked at me after that statement. Or, well, he focused on me. They didn't have eyes. It was slightly unnerving, as small sensory tendrils on his face moved in my direction like they were trying to escape his body and attack me. So, um, these humans have a radius-based FTL that is inaccurate enough that it brought debris along with it behind the craft. I had subconsciously been making myself smaller my seat. Yes, sir. They're newly spacefaring. Then why did you describe it as a meteor shower? I thought it got the point across and was easier to say than malfunctioning FTL drive brought debris along with the ship which then hit the craft and station causing damage. Look, Osis, I know we'll never meet again, but next time you get debriefed, can you just tell them exactly what happened first so that they don't have to interrogate you? I sat up. He had finally relaxed. Yes, of course, I apologize. I was only trying to make this easier. Thank you. I'll waive your missing status and write in your reason for your absence from contact. I stood up and made my way to duck under the door. Oh, and you might want to get your uniform cleaned. That ship left you with a weird acrid metallic smell. That was a funny thought. He was describing the smell from the weapons the humans were using. The chemical propellant released a harsh odor, slightly annoying to me, but I'm sure that it was near unbearable to his senses. Impressive composure. I walked out of the room to the landing bay and got back into the transport ship the humans had provided. It was clearly a military ship, likely for troop deployment, as the interior was lined with seats with little luxuries. U.S. Marines was blazoned on the side of it. Oh, how to go? You know, Garrick... I read that there are billions of humans on Earth alone, and I'm guessing about a thousand crew on your ship. I didn't know I was so charming as to get you following me around personally. He chuckled and lowered his sun visor. Don't flatter yourself. I was assigned to guard you personally. 
So if anyone has a hard-on for you, it's the U.S. government. What does that mean? Don't worry about it. We've got to get going. I'll take quite a while to break the atmosphere and get into stable orbit before we can rendezvous with the Indianapolis. We had stopped in the first available system with Federation Guarded Planet. This meant that there was at least one military administration complex that I could check in at. Other than that, it was a small agricultural planet, which did have the desirable effect of making the trip up very pretty to look at. Garrick hadn't been allowed in, as humans are not registered Federation members. Not yet, anyway. He also likely wouldn't have been allowed in anyway, considering that he was dressed in full battle armor, and likely would refuse to surrender his sidearm. It was refreshing to be in a familiar place, though. The same building and uniform aesthetic as I was used to. Finally, the humans were the ones out of place. Is that the first ever non-Earth planet that you've been on? Garrick made a face, sort of a solemn like he was looking at nothing. However, he quickly turned and looked out the small window behind him. Actually, no. But this is strangely familiar. Lots of green. I sat, turned around, resting my head on the back of my seat. Most other planets are a deep purple where I'm from. Is that common? Not particularly. Plants on most planets are green or pinkish. To those of our level of color perception, anyway. That made Garrick laugh, which seemed like a weird response. What's so funny about that? Oh, I'm just imagining what we'll look like if we were given pink camouflage uniforms. Pink uniforms would be funny. Well, yeah, I guess. All of our camouflage is greens, browns, and tans, sometimes blues. Pink is a considered a, um, childish color. Human culture is weird. You have no idea. I managed to fall asleep on the rest of the trip out of the atmosphere. Garrick lightly shook me awake as we were beginning docking with the cruiser. The gentle hum of the air purifier in the transport knocked me right out. The back wall of the transport would lower down when opened, creating a ramp to exit. We were standing in the front of it, waiting for it to open. You make noises when you sleep. What? You were making a soft buzzing sound, like a purring. I don't do that, he shrugged, just telling you what I heard. The transport stopped with a thud, and the pressure equalized for a few seconds before the ramp opened, leading down to a familiar hangar than I'd been in before. Captain Vox wanted you to report to the bridge as soon as we returned. Do you remember how to get there? I believe so. It's all clearly labeled, anyways. Every level of the ship that didn't have an elevator had a ramped surface to walk up alongside a larger set of steps, but those were harsher on my anatomy. After going up the elevator, I went towards the large blast doors that led to the bridge. The guards there must have known that I was coming and opened the door for me. The captain, in her usual white uniform, beckoned me over to a meeting table in the bridge. She sat down and took off her head garment again. So, uh, did they buy it? Buy what? No, I mean, did they believe what you told them? Yes, they marked me as being no longer absent in system. An inputted equipment malfunctioned by debris impact as the cause. That's brilliant, Hoses. You made the right decision. Did I? I'm still not sure if I agree with you that the Federation shouldn't get involved. 
Hopefully, I'll be proven right with the coming conflicts, which leads me into a question. You're not going to make me lie again, are you? Oh, no, no, no. That was awful to have you do that, rest assured. All acts of espionage will be committed by willing humans. The Admiralty has asked that I ask you to stay with us longer. Though you would, of course, be allowed to collect more personal effects from wherever you live. But, um, why? I already did what I came here for. I am no diplomat. That's precisely the reason you're no diplomat. We want you as basically a civilian advisor. Someone that isn't just going to tell us what we want to hear, and that doesn't have a political agenda. Also, you haven't seen half the weapons we have to offer. I'm sure your superiors would be willing to have you stay with us longer to surveil more of our military. There were two thoughts about this. One was that I should have been thinking. That is, no, I want to go back to my station and get out of this chaos that has put me in dangerous situation more than once. The less rational thought was that these few cycles had been more interesting than anything I had experienced prior, and that the humans were strangely relatable. However, given the uncomfortable nature of sitting silently while someone is expecting a response, I will ask if this is acceptable. End of chapter.